Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 134. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Jack Selwiger. Hey there, Kip. Thanks for having me today. It's great to have you. And so our conversation today is going to center around the idea of technological judgment, by which I mean individuals judging others for having different technological pursuits. Maybe they use different software than you do, a different web browser perhaps, or even in the case of smartphones or different operating systems, people being blatantly judgmental and critical of others solely based on difference. And as a starting point, I'd love to hear from you Any recollections or anecdotes or associations you have with this idea of technological judgment? Yeah. So the first thing I think about when I think about judgment, um, especially technological judgment, is I'm an avid Redditor. Actually, Reddit has an entire subcommunity dedicated to, they call it the PC master race. And before you go further, would you explain to listeners who might not know what it means to use the site Reddit and to be a Redditor? Yeah, so Reddit is a kind of an online community where people can post interesting articles, have conversations, and it's kind of a meritocracy in that if something that you post is particularly interesting to the community, you get more visibility on the site. And the way that you indicate your interest in an article or a post is you upvote it. And so the posts with the most upvotes become more visible to everybody on the site. There's an entire sub-community of this website called Reddit called PC Master Race, which is a community devoted to the judgment of Mac users or anybody that doesn't use a PC for their everyday computing needs. And so that's the kind of place that you only find online. Of course, there aren't things in real life, I mean, at least in my life, where we have entire communities or circles that are homogenous in the way that they all agree that PCs are the best and Macs are the worst or what have you. I think that it can get a lot harsher in the technological spheres online, definitely this kind of judgment, and you have to be careful. I mean, it's ridiculous, really, but in some cases, this online community is self-aware and how ridiculous it is, but other cases, it can be really hurtful, and there's a lot of really uh, toxic judgment that goes on, and it can get real. So that's one instance I've found. And I think that's actually worthy of further exploration because online spaces allow for very specific and I would argue more detrimental types of judgment because the anonymity you can enjoy and the resources you have to post images and video in addition to judgmental text allow for negative commentary to be very complex in its construction, whereas a person walking on the street does not necessarily have unlimited information at their fingertips, someone behind a computer monitor with internet access who is a member of a certain forum or group has advantages like time and privacy in being negative. And I'm envisioning a conversation in person where negative commentary is immediately responded to by other people. And so I wonder if spaces like the internet, which is of course made up of technology, software, and hardware, actually allows for more of this technological judgment because of the nature of the communities that it creates and supports. Do you think that that's true? Because you had mentioned that you don't see much of this technological judgment in your quote-unquote real life. Yeah, Kip, I do think that if somebody has a strong opinion about something like Apple's new hardware, something about maybe the latest browser, it's a whole different set of tools that they can use you can carefully construct an argument. And the thing can go on for many hours. I've seen conversations about these kind of things go on and on and on, because not only can you Google things really quickly behind your screen, but you can also go and get a glass of water or you can go take a break. I think that it's definitely a lot more contentious online. 
everybody has heard this before, but it's much easier to be mean through the internet than it is, of course, to be mean in person. So with the combination of having these tools like Google, with having these tools like anonymity and this buffer that you have between the person um, and yourself, I think that it's definitely a recipe for a really contentious, judgmental environment. Earlier, you used the word ridiculous to describe the nature of criticism that some people engage in when casting technological judgment, and I'm reminded of a conversation I had about two years ago in which I mentioned to a friend that one of my email accounts, and I have four or five that I use with some regularity, was a Hotmail account, and I was immediately mocked for it, and I remember feeling very vividly that that was a peculiar thing to be so annoyed with or judgmental of in the people I was speaking to. And I remember that some of their arguments were, well, Kip, Gmail is more professional. You can do X, Y, and Z on Gmail. And I said, well, I also have Gmail accounts, but I think it's important to, one, diversify if you can, because you learn more about different ways of doing things, especially with technology. And secondly, I'm bothered by a somewhat mindless culture of following whatever or whoever is most powerful, most influential, and also most popular, because popularity certainly says something about an individual, a group, a symbol, etc. But at the same time, I think with technology, a lot of people simply follow popular trends. They use the iPhone not because they know about its technological abilities, but because many successful, popular, or influential people are also using the iPhone. And there's a clear connection to culture. But I remember thinking, if I can send an email with attachments, and that's really the most I need out of my email server, why does it matter what email account I'm using, whether it's one I acquired when I was in college or one I made for myself as a freshman in high school? They both serve the same utility. And other people seem so not only ignorant of that, but averse to that idea. Kip, why don't you do what we do? We should all be using the same technology. Or perhaps on some level, people are insecure when you aren't using the technology that they are using because it implies that there is, in fact, another way of being, another way of accomplishing the same tasks. What do you think of some of these ideas? I have a few things to say about that, actually. I think that conversation you had and the way that person reacted to you telling them that you had a Hotmail account is a symptom, I think, of a greater human tendency. I don't think that it has anything to do with technology, really. I think companies are somewhat designed to create a brand feeling like you're part of a tribe when you're using their products. And that doesn't just apply to paid services, of course. That applies to free services like Gmail as well that aren't really free, but that's maybe a different conversation. We sacrifice things like privacy, but that's a side note. So when you're participating in these services, they have psychologists on board to try to make these services look attractive, to make you feel like you're part of a community, a tribe in anything. I mean, this is how companies sell their products. So maybe a hypothesis to that could be that these people feel committed or part of this community that you're not committed to. And they're trying to incorporate you into the community and get you involved and maybe even sometimes feel a little bit defensive about the particular community you're in. This can go back to things like rivalry between tribes. I don't mean to be a Darwinist about it, but to discuss the issue of technological elitism is to discuss old, deep brain, primitive human behaviors that don't really have anything to do with technology itself, but just map onto these behaviors in this world that we live in. What do you think? I think all of that is fantastic, and I really love where you're going in terms of evolutionary processes and also our identities with tribes or certain tribalist ideals, because I remember reflecting on that day, and we're currently discussing it years later, 
that it wasn't really about the email server I was using. There were different, more layered judgments going on there that made me feel uncomfortable and somewhat saddened by the close-mindedness of the people I was talking to. But I also think it makes sense on a lot of levels, and perhaps I should applaud their loyalty to Gmail as a service. But I also remember, as I'd reflected on it more, that certain technological and software conglomerates are not the invincible titans we imagine them to be. And only a few years ago, Apple actually suffered a security breach when iCloud was hacked and various photos were leaked, etc. And I don't think that's all that uncommon. There are technological gaps. And as companies become increasingly more complex and their software and products become more complex, I think it's all the more likely that someone might miss something and we won't be as invulnerable on the user end as we believe ourselves to be. And to tie this back to technological judgment and this idea of tribalism, I think we'd like to believe that whatever tribe we belong to is not only great and successful and capable of progress, but safe. And I think technological safety is something we would all love as we increasingly share more and more of our lives digitally and store a lot of information digitally. I think that idea of safety in a world that is essentially as unfamiliar to us as was our real world back when humanity was first starting out. So you're saying that there's no real utilitarian difference between the two services and that they both might be equally as unsafe or safe? In many ways, yes. I think there are absolutely more than aesthetic differences between a lot of services, but at least for my uses, most email clients accomplish the same function. And for me, it really does come down to preference as opposed to utility, like you said. So I absolutely think that in most cases, our technological preferences are not always because of quote unquote superiority, which is a word that makes me very uncomfortable because I think we throw it around so easily. But essentially, yes, I agree with what you just said. And now I'd actually like to discuss the idea of judgment in a less aggressive and maybe more patronizing way. For example, my grandparents used to use Windows XP machines. And for listeners who don't know, Windows XP is one of Microsoft's older operating systems. And at the time they were using XP, Vista had come out, Windows 7 had come out, and of course, future operating systems like Windows 8 and Windows 10 were about to come out. And I remember thinking that with my basic knowledge of maybe more advanced technology, that I should help them and install better operating systems or teach them how to use more complex software. But I also recognize in looking back that they didn't need that. And I think we often feel a somewhat patronizing need to help other people with their lesser technology or more simplistic technology, all of which I say with air quotes, because we have this sense that technology like people follows a very clear evolutionary curve. But I'd really love to know what you think about that less acerbic means of casting judgment or implying an inferiority superiority relationship. Yeah, so I think that both of these kind of judgments come from the same place. I think that really these patronizing judgments that you were talking about with your grandma and these people on the internet that don't know that you're old and maybe it comes from a more aggressive place. I think it comes from a lack of open-mindedness and this place of, I think I'm better than you. And again, I can tie that back to the tribe thing where it's like, do you feel a strong sense of identity with the products we use? And again, that's been ingrained in us by the psychologists that work at these companies. And so to see your grandma using a different browser, a different computer may indicate to you an otherness that you associate with her. 
And related to that idea, do you think that on some level our attempts to perhaps patronizingly lift others up and help them with our technology reflects a need to strengthen our own tribes by either incorporating others or by teaching those that we already see as members of our quote-unquote technological tribe? I do think it has profound psychological roots. There's actually this concept in psychology, and I'm not quite sure what it's called. I'm blanking on that right now, but it's the phenomenon of being part of a tribe and then viewing members of other tribes as inherently inferior. Maybe they're not even different, but just because they're part of a different group. So this is where I think both kinds of elitism come from, both the patronizing kind and maybe the aggressive kind. They both stem from this phenomenon. Some people think that this is where racism comes from. This is where any kind of closed-minded bigotry can come from. So really, when we discuss this, we're getting at deeper issues of, dare I say, again, racism and other problems that have plagued the world since the beginning of human history. So it's just another medium by which we can manifest these natural human tendencies. I think that's very well said. And as a final chapter, so to speak, of this conversation, I'd like to discuss, as many futurists have predicted, the idea that humanity and technology may at some point merge and form a singularity, as Ray Kurzweil has discussed in some of his philosophical musings on technology and its relationship to humanity. And I've often fearfully anticipated the day when we do integrate with technology in a very profound, perhaps biological way, because I imagine that it will be class-based. I don't think everyone will have equal opportunity to this technology unless we reach a utopian ideal before that day. And I think in that case, what we will have is a much more amplified version of what we've noticed with technological judgment, because it will no longer be that you're holding the technology or touching the technology that you are using that other people do not use or have not mastered. But in more ways than one, you will be that technology. And so I think those judgments, those conversations, and dare I say, those arguments will become a lot more personal. Do you predict similar phenomena if, in fact, this singularity between humanity and technology is a part of our future? Let me just talk about Ray Kurzweil. I have pretty strong opinions about the guy. I read his book, The Singularity is Near, and I think he predicted that by 2029, we would reach a point where the technology we made was no longer going to be dumber than the human beings that made it. And in his book, he outlined a trajectory of the kind of technology we should be seeing emerging as a futurist. That's what he did. He made a career of predicting the future. But it's 2017 now. I think that book came out in 2004. And since we've actually diverged quite a bit from his predictions. So whether or not this whole thing is even really a possibility in any of our lifetimes is up for debate. Assuming that we ever get there, of course, incorporating technology or something that money can buy into our bodies is going to be another dimension by which we can stratify the population. Currently, like we've discussed, we have all these different products that people view as better or worse, some being more expensive, some are less expensive. And I think that if we incorporate that into our bodies and start putting that inside of us, it's going to spell a future of technological elitism on a level we've never seen before. This reminds me of a movie I once saw called Gattaca, G-A-T-A-C-A, which are nucleotide bases. And it's a movie about human beings being able to 
alter their DNA and kind of gives human beings a godlike control over their own evolution. And it's kind of a jump to go from Google Chrome versus Hotmail to a super intelligent human being with modified DNA to a regular human being whose DNA has never been touched. But I do think that due to this human nature we've been discussing, certain privileged human beings in power will always find a way to separate themselves from the rest of us in this way we call elitism. I think that was very well said. And before we close this episode, what are some things you would like the audience to consider after listening to our conversation? I'd like the audience to maybe think about what we've been talking about and be aware of their own feelings when they find out one of their friends just got a new phone. Maybe one of their friends is using a certain service that they don't use. Try to notice your involuntary reaction. Take a step back and try to examine it. It's not a bad thing if you find yourself judging somebody else. It's just human nature, I think. We can't help it. And I think not to admit to that is lying for some people. And just try to be honest with yourself. Also, after being honest with yourself about your initial reaction to these various products that your friends might be using, try to think about the subculture or tribe that you might be a part of as a result of those judgments, the aesthetic cultures, the social strata you may be a part of. Try to use that judgment as a tool to get to know yourself better. And I would go so far as to say that you should try out different technologies that you haven't previously used. Experiment with parallel software that accomplishes the same tasks that you do with other software platforms. Explore different operating systems. Ask to borrow a friend's phone and see how it differs from your own. Because ultimately, even if you remain judgmental, you will at least do so with a more informed perspective and a better understanding of how others' technology differs from your own. And ultimately, I think that's one of the most important things that technology can teach us. And I'd like to thank you for coming on. It was great to discuss this with you, Jack. Thanks, Kip. Appreciate it. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, input, or feedback of any kind, please reach out to us. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsantra at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with someone you think might also enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.